what we should know about Violet Oakley is that she was once one of the most famous women artists in the United States, and she had an international reputation. She was a woman who took a stand. So religious tolerance, she told the architect and the governor, was the main reason that Pennsylvania was founded. Mm-hmm. And that's what she was going to devote the mural series to. So it's quite unusual compared to the kinds of subjects that you would find in most capital buildings. Welcome to Seekers and Scholars, a podcast from the Mary Bickerty Library in Boston and online at mbelibrary.org. I'm Jonathan Eder, Programs Manager at the Library, and I'm so glad to be in studio with Dr. Patricia Lykos Ricci, Associate Professor of History of Art and Director of the Fine Arts Division at Elizabethtown College, and with Pam Winstead, Curator at the Mary Baker Eddy Library. And today, the three of us will be discussing the 20th century American artist, Violet Oakley. Well, welcome to you, Patricia and Pam. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Good afternoon. It's great to be with you to to learn about the work and vision of Violet Oakley and about what the Mary Baker Eddy Library has in the way of items by and about Oakley. Patricia, I'd love to start with you. You recently curated an exhibit about Oakley at the Woodmere Art Museum in Philadelphia. On the website, it's described as the most ambitious exhibition of Violet Oakley to date. Patricia, you've devoted years to studying Oakley's life and art, including her connection with Christian science. So I guess my first question is, what do you feel we should know about Violet Oakley in 2018? Well, what we should know about Violet Oakley is that she was once one of the most famous women artists in the United States, and she had an international reputation. And she was an important figure in advocating for international government and pacifism and for equal rights uh, for women. And despite that, she managed to vanish from history Mm. for many years. Now, there are several reasons for that. One of them is that because she was a muralist and worked in different forms of architecture and was a decorator of churches, many of the actual buildings in which she worked have been destroyed over Mm. the years, or their contents have been removed, the murals and the stained glass. And so it's much harder to reconstitute her career than an artist who was a watercolorist or who painted on canvas and whose work can be easily exhibited and preserved in museums. We want to recreate for people not only how beautiful her work was, but the fact that she was a woman who took a stand and spoke out for the things that she believed in. And in that way, I think that Christian science really contributed to her her courage to do that at mm. a time when women couldn't vote, because that's what Mary Baker Eddy had done. You were saying that a lot of the work of Oakley has been lost because it was public work in buildings that have been destroyed or razed. But one building that remains today that's very significant in that regard is the State Capitol building in in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where she did the the murals of several of the most important spaces. Could you just speak a little bit about her work there and what it tells you about the ideals and the the deepest commitments of Violet Oakley, both as as an artist as well as a humanitarian? Well, Violet Oakley's fame 
during her lifetime, and I think still the most significant work that she did was done for the Pennsylvania State Capitol. Mm. Uh, this was in two commissions, one from 1902 to 1906, and then uh, another one from uh, 1911 till 1926. And it was just unheard of for a woman to be given a mural painting commission for a civic building. Mm. Uh, and it was a period in which these were the most prestigious commissions that were available. They were There were new state capitals uh, cropping up all over the country. Many of them, like Pennsylvania's, were variations on the federal capital. They were large dome buildings done in a Renaissance style. And there was a great deal of excitement about the kinds of subject matter that would be enshrined there. Mm -hmm. And fortunately for Violet Oakley's career, the three rooms that she decorated within the Capitol have been beautifully preserved. And the story that they tell is a really remarkable one because mural painters at the time were expected to come up with their own themes. The architect would have an overarching theme, and at the state capitol, it was the founding of the state. And the individual painters and uh, stained glass designers and tile designers, everyone working on the building would have to address that theme in a personal way, subject to the approval of the architect. But in general, people were chosen because they were considered intellectually capable of creating either an allegorical or historical theme. Mm -hmm. But Violet Oakley proved to do very surprising uh, work there. The first room that she received was considered a relatively small space, although by today's standards at 40 feet long, we would not think of it as small. And it's the governor's reception room. It was done in a Tudor style with oak paneling. And Violet Oakley was originally, it was suggested to her by the architect to do the history of colonization. Well, this was at a time of the Spanish-American War and when the idea of the United States having colonies didn't have a, an early colonial ring to it. It had an imperialistic ring to it. And Violet Oakley didn't find it to be congenial. Uh, but also at the same time, she had a, a real personal interest in another topic, which had to do with religious tolerance. In 1902, she had joined the Christian Science Church. Uh, she had had uh, a period prior to that of trauma and illness in her family, and she had turned to Christian Science at the recommendation of the wife of a teacher she had, Mrs. Charles Lazar, uh, who had been cured from a sort of invalid state and spoke to Violet Oakley about the value of Christian science. And at the time she became interested in Christian science, she met with a great deal of opposition from family members and friends who were uneasy with this new form of Christianity. At the same time, she found that it was spiritually rewarding for her and, and personally strengthening. And so the subject matter that she chose for that room was religious intolerance. Mm. And she told the history through England of the time of the persecution of the first Protestants through the period of the development of the Puritans and the resistance that they met, then the, the emergence of the Quakers, uh, George Fox, and the problems that they faced, and then finally William Penn being cast out to the New World and setting up his holy experiment in which he encouraged all people of various religions to come to his new province 
and uh, even required people to respect the Native Americans because, as he said, they believe in the Great Spirit. So religious tolerance, she told the architect and the governor, was the main reason that Pennsylvania was founded. Mm-hmm. And that's what she was going to devote the mural series to. So it's quite unusual compared to the kinds of subjects that you would find in most Capitol buildings. Patricia, your history with Violet Oakley is is a personal one in some ways, um, perhaps not directly with her, but with people who were close to her. If you could just revisit a little bit of your journey with this subject matter. Yes, I'd be happy to. I graduated from Moore College of Art and Design at a time when, uh, again, the status of women artists in history was being discussed, and I was interested in doing a project about a lost woman artist. And there was an exhibition at the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts that showed many women artists from the 18th through the 19th century and early 20th century, making the point that there are many more women artists than had been included in the history books. And there was an example of the work of Violet Oakley, and next to it was one by Edith Emerson, who was described as her student. And Edith Emerson's dates were still open. She was born in 1888, and it was clear that she was still alive at Mm. that time. So I thought, I wonder if this woman is available, and I could find her, and I could just ask her, what was it like to be alive then? What was Violet Oakley like? What was your career like? And it turned out that she had been the director of what was then called Woodmere Art Gallery, Mm -hmm. and she was uh, in her 80s and about to retire. So I went and introduced myself to her and asked if she had some time to speak to me. And she told me to come over to the studio that she lived in, which had been Violet Oakley's studio. And when I arrived, she answered the door of this marvelous barn turned (laughs) into an Italianate uh, structure. And she said, I knew one day you would come. And I immediately thought, am I here on the right day? And I said, well, I should, is this the right time? And she said, yes, no, no. What I mean is that I knew someday someone would come to help me. And then she took me upstairs to the studio and flung open these enormous oak-studded doors of Violet Oakley Studio. And here was this quantity of work, literally uh, uh, over a thousand drawings and paintings, just sitting there in good condition, but uh, overwhelming now for this elderly woman to deal with, and Violet Oakley's correspondence and letters. And she thought I had come to catalog that and (laughs) and help her, and that's what I did until she died. And uh, the years that I spent with her were something I I will just always uh, cherish. Pam, as I understand it, it was very important to meet Patricia in terms of determining some of the administrative background on our collection. That's true. We weren't quite sure what the trail was for having um, received the uh, group of drawings in, the, in about 1984. We came to find out and confirm that, in fact, Patricia had played a role in helping to bring those to us. Well, not only Violet Oakley, but Edith Emerson were both Christian scientists, and I knew from the years I spent with Edith how important that was to both of them. Also, many of uh, the women who worked at what was called then the Violet Oakley Memorial Foundation 
founded by Edith Emerson at Violet Oakley's studio after she passed in 1961. Many of the women who worked there were uh, also Christian scientists. So I knew that Christian science was extremely important to her and that there were drawings and paintings that related to the work she had done for Christian science publications. And I felt it was important that they go to the library uh, here where people would appreciate and understand them, where they would cherish them uh, rather than just have them scattered in other collections. So at that time, we gathered up all of the ones we could find that had been done directly for a Christian science publication, uh, sketches and uh, other examples, and also these marvelous portraits of Mary Baker Eddy that Violet Oakley did in, in 1904. One of the great benefits of bringing out things from our collection is that it expands uh, our universe of interrelating with people who are interested in, in what we have here, both on a professional basis, but also very much on a personal basis sometimes. An example of that is a email that recently came to my attention from one of the churches in Philadelphia uh, that has a history with Violet Oakley. And it prompted this message. Uh, the person writes, I briefly met Miss Oakley as a young boy in the early to mid-1950s. Our church social group visited the state capitol in Harrisburg to view Oakley's murals. After the tour of the capitol, we went to a trailer that was set up nearby, which was displaying some of Oakley's smaller works of art. Upon entering, I remember seeing Miss Oakley sitting in a chair with a framed painting of Mary Baker Eddy, which was placed high up on the wall behind her. Oakley explained that she had seen that view of Eddy in person when she was younger and painted the scene later from memory. She then said to me with a loving smile, I love Mrs. Eddy. Do you? Of course, I answered yes. <laughs> it, it's wonderful. You just never know what's going to be uh, evoked uh, around these, these subjects from the community at large. Well, it's exciting for me to be here and to have access to the research materials in this collection. And one of them is Oakley's own reminiscence of the experience she had seeing Mary Baker Eddy for the first time in the summer of uh, 1904 when she was in Concord, New Hampshire for the dedication of the church there. And uh, Mary Baker Eddy passed by in a carriage slowly while people were lining up to see her. And that memory really imprinted itself on Violet Oakley. She made several oil sketches of the way uh, she remembered Mrs. Eddy, and then she made a larger painting. So it's interesting to hear this person's <laughs> yeah. own experience of seeing that. And then Violet Oakley uh, in the 1950s, when she was uh, already in her 80s, she wrote that reminiscence and sent it to the church. And it's in the library here, and I'd never read it before. Mm. So to be able to see that in her own handwriting and hear her own description of those paintings was really wonderful. Pam, recently you created a small display uh, from the library's Oakley collection. Can you tell us just a little bit about uh, what those items are? The reason that I put together the display is that I see my job as curators being uh, someone who identifies objects in the collection that need research and to meet our mission of having scholars and researchers come by presenting those objects in displays or exhibits so that people outside of the library and the church know that they're here and available. 
So I knew we had these two folios and have always been fascinated by them because I love their bindings <laughs> as much as anything because they're beautiful. And I also was aware that we have about 60 illustrations, works in progress by Violet Oakley that were gifted to the archives of the First Church of Christ Scientists here in Boston in about 1983-84. So I thought it was a great opportunity to put together this little display and to have it promoted. And then we were fortunate to have Patricia come and help us fill in the blanks. Well, tell us, Patricia, uh, uh, about a few of those blanks that you've helped Mm -hmm. fill in. Well, I'm so glad that you have those, not only because they are incredibly beautiful and they show Violet Oakley's involvement in the arts and crafts movement at the time, but because they uh, are a way that she was able to disseminate her ideas and her images that she made for the state capitol at Harrisburg. The Holy Experiment includes reproductions of the governor's reception room murals and also of the Senate chamber. It includes her notes from studying William Penn and the other sources that informed her analysis of history and her point of view, all beautifully illuminated by her in red and black letters, like a a sacred scripture, actually. Mm -hmm. And she also, because she felt that the message of William Penn was so important for religious tolerance and equality between the races and the sexes, and also uh, the end of uh, warfare and militarism. So she felt that this was, uh, she used to describe it as a message to the world from Pennsylvania. Well, thank you so much, Patricia, for your message about the importance of Violet Oakley, providing us with such insight and fascinating details about the inspiration that fueled her life and artistic purpose. Thanks so much, Patricia. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure, and I've learned so much. It's a, it's a real joy to be here. And Pam, thank you for giving us a bit of a glimpse into your work as curator at the Mary Baker Library and how you go about bringing items from our collections to the attention of scholars and the public. It's been great being with you, Pam. My pleasure. And thanks to our listeners. If you are interested in exploring more about Christian science and 20th century art, please listen to our podcast on Christian science and British modern art, or to the audio cast, Evolutions of Christian Science in Great Britain. You can access these media through the links on this page or within the info tab of your podcast app. Please join us for our next podcast on A Woman's Right to Interpret the Bible. Our guest is Dr. Barry Huff, Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies at Principia College. I'm Jonathan Eder, Programs Manager at the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Thank you for listening to Seekers and Scholars. This podcast is produced by the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Copyright 2018.